Thank you. I hope that you've seen this morning a pattern, whether you've been here for some time or maybe this is your first time visiting with us. But I trust you've seen a pattern in who Liberty Hills Bible Church is and what Liberty Hills Bible Church is all about. Uh, From the the demonstration of the Iwana program and the work the young people have been doing, the investment of themselves, their families, uh, the leaders and workers through that program uh, to instill God's Word at the earliest possible ages that we have opportunity. Uh, Through the songs, though, this morning, as uh, Andy and the other team led, uh, directing our hearts and our minds to the person and work of Christ. If you haven't caught on already, you will hear me say that a lot, even this morning. The person and work of Christ. Uh, The person, significance in who Christ is, but it is inseparable from the work Christ has done and is doing and will do. So the person and work of Christ, as our hearts and our minds are directed through the singing, uh, the truths of Christ's person, the truths of the resurrection, which means there is a death, which means there is a life, which means he was here on earth. And then the time we're going to spend this morning, as alluded to, Dave uh, let us kind of remind us that we're springboarding into a new series through the Gospel of John. Uh, Andy walked us through that this morning. So that's why I'm asking if you've seen the pattern Um, The series through the Gospel of John, I have self-titled as Living with the Word. But I think that's accurate. One, we'll see it from the text. But two, we've seen it this morning um, from how we are working with young people uh, and those that are investing their lives in those young people. uh, Through the songs that were played and we sang together this morning, reflecting on Christ. And then the chapter 1 of John, which is where we'll start today, um, Christ the Word. We'll look at that in a little bit. But I want to ask you a question. What do you like about a story? See, what is it about a great story that draws us in? And it creates a connection so deep that we as the audience can say, yes, I see that. That is like real life. That's what it's like. How does a story make a connection that we can relate to and actually see ourselves in? Right there in the middle of that narrative. It's by being real. By being believable. Sure, we all enjoy dynamic fiction. And fantasy, we appreciate a break from reality through that fanciful. But we know there's a disconnect. We can enjoy fiction and fantasy, but we can't live there. When we enjoy it, it's recreation, and that's fine. But if we try to move in and change our address, it becomes irresponsible. And that's what sets great stories apart from good stories or mediocre stories or bad stories. It's that connection to the reality. Now, that might not be our story, but it's a story that we can relate to and see ourselves in without that stretch of the imagination. So let's think about the stereotypical love story. Now, guys, don't check out. This is not a review of the chick flick genre, so stay with me. Okay, But what do we see? How do we see that develop? We have two individuals from contrasting cultures. They meet due to some unusual circumstances, and there's an immediate and instant connection between the two. But it's challenged, it's hampered by the contrast of their backgrounds. But they overcome, and the birds are singing, and the music's playing, and the sun is shining, and that, that connection they have, that relationship deepens to the point of budding love. But then the connection is challenged, usually by outside influences, external from them, but within their competing, contrasting cultures. But the two primary characters, again, overcome, the birds are singing, the sun is shining, the music's playing, and that budding love becomes a sacrificial love. 
that leads to the happily ever after that we read about in the ending credits. Do you realize that the gospel is a love story? The greatest love story that has ever been told. What sets it apart from all the other stories is that it's real. There's a connection. See, the gospel, the good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ, it's not science fiction or fantasy. And it gets even better than that. Not only can relate we relate to the story of the gospel, but we are in the story of the gospel. See, the gospel, the good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ, is the story of God's relationship with us. Watch that. We'll see that develop. The gospel story doesn't begin with once upon a time, nor does it begin with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. To see the story, how it unfolds and how it begins... Go with me to John chapter 1. We're going to start right in John chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to look at the first 18 verses of that chapter this morning. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Follow with me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world... The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory the glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So as we begin our study of the Gospel of John, the good news of the person and work of Christ, as we begin this path through this particular book, living with the Word because the Word came to live with us. See, these first several verses of John are an introduction to that person and work of Christ. But there's two primary things, primary aspects about that that I want us to see this morning as we get that introduction through John. It's the foundational And the second is the relational aspects of this incredible story of God's relationship with us. So the foundational aspects and relational aspects are the first two main categories we see out of John's introduction. So the first one, the foundational aspect. In the beginning, the Word equals Christ equals God. So that foundational aspect. In the beginning, the Word equals Christ equals God. The first 13 verses of this chapter. The word, the message, or proclamation, a declaration of truth. When the beginning happened, 
the official proclamation was already there. And that proclamation was with God. And that proclamation was God. Before the beginning happened, God had already proclaimed. So follow the progression from, A, the existence predating the beginning, to B, that interaction with God, to C, equality with God. This message, the word, the proclamation. Now, I know it's summer and everybody's out of school, but I'm sorry. I'm going to have to give you a little bit of a grammar hint here. That's important. The definite article, the, rather than a, is significant. Because without the definite article, the verse would read something like, in the beginning was a message. And a message was with God, and a message was God. What message would we be talking about? It implies that there could be several. But no, God said, in the beginning, the word was there. The proclamation, the message, a specific one, identified and distinct. So about that foundational understanding, the word equals Christ equals God. I'm going to see six different things. I don't know why I just sold four fingers. Six different things. In the beginning was the Word. I'm back in verse 1. And the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Verse 12, but all to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So these six things. First one, Christ is eternal and not a created being. We see that in the first two verses. Christ is eternal. But beyond that, Christ is equal with God and therefore deity himself. We talked about this in the first hour about creation and being the firstborn. And Christ in in, uh, the book of Colossians, as Dave led us through this morning, But Christ is responsible. This is the third thing. Christ is responsible for the fullness of creation. We see that here in chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 10. Continuing, though, in verses 4 and 5, we see that Christ is unquenchable as the light and the life for mankind. Christ is light. The darkness didn't comprehend it, and the darkness couldn't overcome it or him. Verse 11, we see that Christ faced dismissal. He is eternal. Equal, responsible, unquenchable, but he faced dismissal. He came to his own, but his own received him not. They did not accept him. And as we walk through the rest of the story that is recorded for us in the Gospel of John, we'll see that interplay, not just of man, but also the nation, Israel, his own people. And then number six, Christ is powerful to grant the eternal rights to believers, granting the right to become children of God. Again, we saw that in Colossians, the concept of the firstborn that Dave walked us through this morning, we discussed. The one that has the authority and the power to accomplish things in the name of or on behalf of the Father. So that's the foundational aspects. The Word equals Christ equals God. Those six things.
The second, though, is the relational aspect. This is where we get the concept of living with the Word. And we will see that as the Gospel of John unfolds. But the relational aspect, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Verses 14 through 18. The official proclamation lived among us as a human, demonstrating the glory of God in the process. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, Christ, has made Him, God, known. So in the relational aspect, the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, there's four things. Christ humbled Himself and lived as a human. If you want, you can go to Philippians chapter 2. There are many other passages in Scripture that describe this and and define this in different ways and a little bit fuller than we'll look at this morning. But Philippians chapter 2 wrestles with that concept. How can Christ be God, but also be man? And it talks about the humility Christ displayed in that process. So Christ humbled himself to live as a human. John the Baptist, or the baptizer, who is referenced here in chapter 1, testified to the truths of Christ. And we'll see that play out more in the next few chapters of the testimony, the witness, the role that John played on behalf of Christ in preparing the populace, preparing the nation for him. But John testified. There's a relational aspect that John was saying, this is the truth. This is what is happening. There's a contrast when we see that Moses codified the series of the law. And then it culminates here with Christ. He restored the path to God of man's brokenness because of man's lawlessness. So the relational aspect is Christ came to earth and dwelt as a human among us. He humbled himself. John himself testified of those truths. There's a contrast with the law that Moses codified, leading to Christ restoring the path to God through our brokenness due to our lawlessness, the reality of sin. So we've talked about Christ being responsible for creation. And in Sunday school, somebody just kind of threw it. Does he know about global warming? Yes, he does, but we can't pin that on him because Christ created perfectly and in perfection. But the fall that we read about in Genesis chapter 2 and 3 really talks about the disconnect then that happened, not just in man's relationship, but in about the reality of creation. So there is a fallenness and a brokenness due to man's rejection of God and God's authority. So Christ humbled himself to get to the point where he would restore our path to God. See, here we see the disparity between the two conflicting cultures, like in a love story. God's culture and our culture. God in perfection, eternal, righteous, holy, just. Mankind, us, you and I, sinful, broken, frail, temporal. This love story, though, there is no meeting in the middle. There's only us stuck in our complete inability to meet the requirements of the law, which is referenced here. But then there is God who did all of the moving by sending his official proclamation, sending the word, 
sending the message written there existing before the world began to meet us where we were, where we are. See, He, Christ, came to present Himself as the fullness of the grace, that which we cannot earn or afford, and He came to present Himself as the fullness of the truth, that which we cannot refute or avoid. We're all mankind, it's natural, we look at this, is always looking for loopholes in the law. And there's sometimes we can sometimes fulfill laws to their fullest. But that was still just a representation of the level of justice and righteousness of God. So Christ came not because of the law, because the reality that the law identified our sin and our inability to meet the law, but Christ came to be the personification, to be that message of grace, that which we cannot earn or afford, and Christ is truth. We can't refute it, we can't avoid it. And that is the means, that is the path to the restoration of our relationship to God. So based on that, based on that understanding, again, to springboard from the series in Colossians where it says, Paul was praying for the believers that their knowledge of God would increase. So this, we may, after looking at 18 verses here in the Gospel of John, perhaps our knowledge has increased. I trust that it has, as we've looked at a a snapshot here in a few verses of the person and work of Christ. But we could ask, so what? Now what? When I ask yourself then this, my life, my story, how does it match in a day-by-day, moment-by-moment, decision-by-decision way with the story of Christ? Do my, do your, do our reactions, our responses, our attitudes and actions reflect His truth? See, exciting and engaging stories just like our lives, all contain some elements of passion, betrayal, secrecy, drama, suspense, conspiracy, tension, humor, and intrigue. We love stories like that, but our lives are full of that as well. And some, At some stages, there's more of some and less of the others. See, the Gospel of John is full of these elements. The account of the life and work of Christ is full of these things. Passion, betrayal, secrecy, Drama, religion, and spirituality, suspense, conspiracy, tension, humor, and intrigue. The gospel is full of these things. Demonstrating that message, not as fiction, not as an account that is simply true to life. Those are great stories. But the gospel, and as we will see through John's accord, the gospel demonstrates truth that leads to life. It's not a story that is true to life. It is a story of truth that leads to life. So as we work through this book, living with the Word, through the Gospel of John, over the days ahead, continue to ask yourself that question. Corporately, as covenant members of Liberty Hills Bible Church, let's ask ourselves, how does our story match His story? Day by day, decision by decision. Is who we are, is what we think and what we do based on the truth of the personal work of Christ is who I am, what I think, and what I do consistent with the new life believers have in Christ and the characteristics of maturing disciples that we looked about in our previous series through the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. If it isn't, if our lives don't match, if they're not consistent, they can be as we believe and obey His word. So part of that, the Gospel of John. I'm going to jump to the end. Spoiler alert a little bit. 
John chapter 20, verse 31 says this. Now, Jesus did many other signs. Now, realize this is 20 chapters later. We looked at chapter 1, only through the first 18 verses. 20 chapters later, John says this. Now, many, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. That's the purpose that John wrote this whole book for. And we'll take some time next week to kind of get an overview and see how all the pieces fit together. But understand that John wrote so that we would know two things about Christ. Two things about Jesus. That He is the Christ, the word for promised Messiah. That He is the Son of God, Deity. Not only did God send the promised Messiah, that promised Messiah was God Himself. So we would know two things about Christ Jesus. For one purpose, that we would believe, with one result, that we would have eternal life through His name. When we compare the four different Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different perspectives of the same life, events, different perspectives of their own backgrounds and upbringing and education led them to see different things, to focus on on certain things and to observe them and collect them to record them. So John wrote that Christians from all cultures would have confidence in the person and work of Christ but that all people from all cultures would understand the personal work of Christ and could believe. So John wrote that Christians would have confidence, but he wrote that all humanity would have the knowledge of that message to believe. So I'll ask again, does my story, does your story, does our story reflect the truth of Christ? Moment by moment, Day by day, decision by decision, attitude by attitude, reaction by reaction, whether we're children at home, in school, whether we're teens, at work, at home, wherever we are, husbands, wives, employees, employers, whatever we are, wherever we are, whatever we do, does our life, does who we are, what we think, and what we do, is it based on the truth of the personal work of Christ? The need for Him to come in the first place identifies the reality of sin. But the fact that He came presented Himself, that we can believe and have life through His name. is what we do, what we think, who we are, consistent with the new life believers can have in Christ. Let that be our self-reflection question perhaps as families, but corporately as Liberty Hills Bible Church, as we work through the Gospel of John, can we look to that and evaluate honestly, humbly, sincerely, as we see the life of Christ develop, the life of Christ on earth, the eternal message, not just with God, but equal to God, God Himself. Can we let that reality filter our our, uh, reflection on ourselves? as we work through the Gospel of John in the days ahead.